Have you ever wished you were younger? It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? But not the exams, especially not those year 12 exams. If you or someone in your circle is facing year 12 final assessments right now, or maybe your child is just about to embark on their final year of high school as they close out year 11, well, this week's episode is for you. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's great to have you here for another edition of Signs of the Times Radio. I'm on the phone to Adelaide. In fact, I'm on the phone to a place where I spent a little too much time when I was a a teenager growing up in Adelaide, and that is the Deputy Principal's Office at Prescott College. Um, And and I'm speaking to one of the teachers there, one of my old teachers, actually, Mrs. Nelson. How are you? Very well, thank you, Kent. Lovely to be talking to you. (laughs) Excellent. I mean, I I know you you, you probably say, I'll just call me Denise, and I I, I get that, but you you know how it is when you've had a teacher, and after many years, you see them again, and you still, you know, sometimes struggle to call them by their first name. Well, some students are like that. Other students uh, can't wait to call me Denise <laughs> once they've left school. They just think that's the best thing. So I don't. It doesn't worry me. Either, either way is good. Yeah. Uh, look, I'll, I'll I'll stick with Denise. I'm 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 happy to do that. That's um, fine. With me. Yeah. So you're not the deputy principal, but you're not in trouble either. I understand. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not in trouble. I'm I'm probably the oldest existing teacher here at this school, actually. Mm. Yeah, well, that, well, yeah, you, you were a relief teacher for me when, when I attended there, and I graduated in '92. So, yeah, I think probably in in '91 and '92, you were my uh, sort of substitute English teacher from time to time. Yeah, that's right. I counted up the other night how many years I've actually been teaching, and it's 34. Wow! Not, at, not <laughs> just at this school, but overall. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. And uh, I, and I wonder how many kids you've taken through Year 12 English during that time. Oh, a lot. Goodness. A lot. Have to be I hundreds. Have to think. <laughs> so that, I mean, that makes you somewhat of, of an expert on, on the topic of year 12 and, and getting kids through year 12, which is uh, our topic for today. This is a time, I guess, when I think probably year 12 exams are probably pretty much finished. I know like in uni, there's still, there's still a bit of that happening, but for year 11s, I believe a lot of them, you might know better than me, Denise, a lot of year 11s are actually starting year 12 in the sort of last part of, of this year. Is, is that the case in South Australia? It is. In fact, we've got two more weeks with our year 11s and then they've got two weeks of starting year 12. So mm. our, our exams for year 12 start next week. Oh, okay. So they haven't done their exams yet, so they'll be sitting their exams next week. And then the year 11s, we have the last two weeks of their time with us is spent starting year 12 work. So we get a head start. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, different states do it in different ways, but but no doubt there are themes <laughs> that, that are common. And I guess the other reason uh, why you're an expert on this is that your two sons went through year 12 a, a few years ago now, but you've been there as a parent too. I have, I have. It's very interesting when the when the shoe is on the other foot when you're a parent of Year Twelve students, <laughs> as opposed to being a teacher of Year Twelve students. Yeah. But and and it is a stressful time both for parents and 
teachers and uh, sorry, parents and students. Mm. And I think sometimes that parents expect a lot of their students, yeah. of their, their, their kids going through year 12, maybe in, inadvertently they put extra pressure on them without realising it. Mm, mm. Yeah, fair enough. And, and look, you're on the, um, the radio show and, and the podcast today because you wrote an article in the November Signs of the Times entitled Treacherous Waters, like looking at this whole kind of year 12 challenge and, and how uh, encouraging parents to encourage their kids, you know, to get through this in a healthy way. And one thing that you said in that article that I found really interesting is that, yeah, and I quote, year 12 is not the be all and end all of existence. I mean, it is presented that way sometimes, isn't it? Well, it is. And I, and I think um, only because it gives kids so many options. Mm. If they have their year 12, they've got options of going to university. They've got options of having a gap year. They've got options of TAFE. So mm. it just broadens their options for what they want to do. But so often there's a lot of pressure placed on it by schools and by parents and by, by students themselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. let's face it, not everybody gets the top marks. So yeah. you've got different sorts of personalities, different sorts of students trying to cope with the stress and the pressure and how much they should do and what mark they should get. And, and it's it can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, looking at like kids in that particular age and stage of life are still in very much a transition to adulthood, you know, in terms of their psychological development, me- mental development. And, and it's actually one of the times of life, I believe, where like a serious depression or psychosis or, you know, that sort of thing is likely to kick in. It just seems like a perfect storm in some ways. Oh, very much so. And especially for kids who already suffer from anxiety, mm-hmm. it can increase that because it's just, it's full on, and the time, the time frame from year eleven to year twelve. Mm. Year eleven, they've got the whole year to do their assignments and do their exam. They've got four terms. Year twelve, it's cut right back to three terms. Yeah, and it that just creates extra pressure for kids who, you know, if they're already struggling, then it can it can compound that struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I, I failed one subject in year 11, so I thought, you know, this is not the place I want to be in uh, going into year 12 with that, uh, you know, with that just behind me. I think I'll repeat year 11 rather than failing year 12 and possibly having to repeat that. So, and I think it worked out quite well for me in the end. Oh, that's good. So, uh, as, as you are saying, Denise, you know, year 12 is not the be-all and end-all and as you say, sometimes we present it like that. So let's just get this out of the way up front. If a student decides not to do year 12 or they, you know, God forbid, fail year, their subjects in year 12, what are their other options to get to, um, you know, various career directions? I'm not entirely sure. That's not an, an area that I've mm. looked at, but I do know there are a few things that they could do. They mm. can they can go to TAFE. I know kids that take gap years after year 12 do mm. a stat test to get into uni if they want to get back in because their okay. their ATAR or their, the score that they got is now redundant. But for kids who leave beforehand, we don't tend to get kids that leave beforehand now. Really? People, they all pretty much stay to the end of year 12, they? They pretty much stay to the end merely because it gives them more options once they've left as to okay. what which avenue they'll go down for their career path. Oh, well, this is interesting, yeah, because my, my oldest son, who incidentally said um, year 12 was the best year of his schooling, because it's, I get to drop a subject. There were so many free periods. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and if they use their 
free periods well, they can get a lot done so that they can have more time to relax at home. Yeah, I yeah. don't think they should be doing schoolwork all day and then schoolwork all night, even in year 12. I think they should be dividing their time up, having a balance, yeah. getting out there, doing some activities, spending time with their friends, spending time with their family. Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't be all study. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, in regards to my son though, yeah, he, he did enjoy year 12, but in the end he, he he's ended up in a mechanical apprenticeship. And what he's found there is that a lot of the other apprentices are actually younger than him because they left school early, earlier than him and ah. sort of started it early. So whereas he did complete year 12 and I think sometimes he wonders if he should, if he should have now. So, um, but like I say, you know, there is TAFE, there are gap years, there's a, what's, what do you call it? A stat test. That's like a, an entry examination yeah. into university. Yeah. And I guess there's always work straight away and apprenticeships. I mean, there are all sorts of things that, that people can do. Oh, there are. There are. It's just a case of finding out what the options are so mm. that you can make proper decisions. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Now, a really strong point that you make in your article, Denise, is that different kids will respond to the challenge of Year 12 differently, you know, according to their, their personality. Can you just take us through what you mean there? It reminds me of a kid that I had a few years ago who... I looked at his report in year 12 and he talked about his report in year 2 and he said the teachers were saying the same thing about him in year 2 oh, that they really? said about him in year 12. So <laughs> in terms of his oh, no. personal habits, his his the way that he responded to school was exactly the same and it's not... It's not necessarily something that you can change. Mm. Maybe you can change some of the habits, but it was very similar for him. So... I just know from my own from my own two sons, one who suffers from anxiety, mm. he found year twelve very stressful. He he didn't eat breakfast, he didn't eat lunch, he was just so stressed. Mm. Whereas the other one took it in his stride and he was he was pretty chilled about it. He did what he had to do. He was in bed by ten thirty every night. Mm. And he did reasonably well. Uh, interestingly, both of them have gone on to be electricians. Oh, right. Yeah, so both of them, they had a gap year or two to decide because they had no idea what they wanted to do. Yeah. Took some gap years, got some experience, did a whole lot of different things and then decided they, well, someone actually rang up and offered them a job, uh, an apprenticeship, mm-hmm. both of them. Wow. And, uh, so they went from there. Oh, there you go. You use a, an interesting comparison of, um, you know, Goldilocks's porridge. Yes. You know, the, the, the too hot, too, too cold. What, how, how, does, how does that relate? Well, just in personality of students, some are too hot. They just they just are so focused and so driven. That's they've got this goal, and that's all they focus on. Mm. And they can end up burning out and mm. and really having a terrible time. Then you've got ones that are. Too cold, they couldn't care less. They're just, you know, they're not finishing assignments. They're not getting stuff done. They're not worried. Their parents are pulling their hair out, but they're not particularly worried. <laughs> yes. Whether they have another plan in mind, I have no idea. And then you get the ones that are just right, that are, that are creating a sort of a balance. But then there are always, there are always people who slot in between that. Mm-hmm. So there's no hard and fast rule as to what, what you know, the perfect kid to yeah. make a perfect student. Yes. Sometimes it's really hard to tell, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember your, um, your your late husband, Lex, you know, wonderful man, very relaxed, very gregarious. You'd see him sort of up the front of church talking. You think, wow, what a great relaxed guy. But he confessed to me one day that every morning before he went to church, when he knew he had to actually stand up and talk in front of people, he would actually like vomit 
in the toilet that morning oh, before. Yes, and it's just right. like, wow, you know, someone sometimes people seem so relaxed and yet they're you know, inside they're churning. Oh, that's right, very much so. And I wasn't allowed to talk to him. I couldn't talk to him while he was practicing because that would just distract him and that stressed him. So I just keep away and let oh, him dear. vomit in the toilet and let him do his own thing. But he always did a good job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's even adults. I mean, even us adults can can struggle with with these sorts of things. Now, oh, look, you, you give some really great practical tips, Denise. I mean, you, you do point out, you know, every child is unique. You, you spend a, a bit of time on that. But you did an interesting exercise where you, you actually asked some of your students about, you know, what, what, could your, what should your parents know or how could your parents help you in, in order to, um, you know, for you to, to do better? What, what sort of things, what sort of responses did you get? Oh, I got, I only have five in my English literary studies class in year 12, five mm-hmm. students. So I asked them, I said I was writing an article and would they write down some things they thought were important? Mm-hmm. And and so they wrote down things about not planning ahead and talking to them, having their parents talk to them about what was coming up in the social events for the mm-hmm. family. So things weren't dropped on them last minute because they couldn't cope with that because they've got a plan mm-hmm. or some of them have or um, <laughs> of what they've, what they've got due, what they want to get done. So yeah. they wanted the parents to, to communicate with them to, to try and fit it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, Which a, I think it's, I think it's pretty important. I think so. I think so. And, and there seems to be a lot about that. Hey, look, just realize that, you know, what I'm going through, give me a little bit of room to, to do what I need to do. Yeah. If, if you can see, I'm busy and focused, like don't, you know, don't break my concentration. That's right. And, and it's a bit like maybe they don't look like they're working, but they certainly were showing me that, yes, we do actually work and mm. uh, we'd like our parents to know that we are actually working on our stuff, even though we may not look like we are. <laughs> well, I mean, look, sometimes it's Facebook and let's face it, we, we know they're not working. <laughs> <laughs> and they they do too, but they don't want to admit it. <laughs> yes. Now, you've you've given, um, uh, I guess, well, l- let's not call it the, the 10 commandments of parenting a child no. going through year 12, but certainly 10 tips. So let, let's run through those because uh, I think you had some really great positive um, tips there. How can parents help? You said, number one, a good night's sleep. That's important. Oh, yes. Sleep is important and good food is important. Breakfast, is, it's amazing the number of kids that don't get a good night's sleep. Mm. They stay up all night. Like I had kids coming to school saying, oh, we've got two hours sleep tonight, last night. And I'm thinking... They're falling asleep at their desk. They can't mm, function. Yeah. So they need a good night's sleep to be able to function the next day. They need a good breakfast. They need good food mm. to be able to concentrate. Some of those things are pretty basic, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, that is number two, you know, some you know, healthy food and, and water to drink too there. And I really, yeah. I really liked how you included water there because I know sometimes you can get busy, you can get dehydrated and then you get these headaches yeah. and, you know, and, and if you start, you know, like chucking down soft drinks or whatever, then you end up with sugar spikes and crashes and moodiness, irritability. I mean, heck, yeah, so healthy food and drink, (laughs) absolutely. That's right. They don't need any more moodiness in your 12 apart from the stress that they're already (laughs) under, which tends to make them moody. Yeah, sure. And and I guess that lends itself really naturally to uh, to your third tip there, which is to remind them to have a balanced lifestyle. I mean, it's more than just, you know, obviously eating right and sleeping right. What, What else is involved there? 
oh, they need some fresh air to get outside, to get up off their off their seats. Mm. So because they sit all day at school and then they don't really want to go home and sit all night. So mm. some of it's about managing the time and create and allowing time for a balance. You know, get out, go for a bike ride, go for a walk, walk the dog, mm-hmm. go and play tennis with your dad or your mum or your siblings or whatever. Just get out and do something outside so they can get some fresh air. Yeah, yeah. No, that that does seem to make a lot of a lot of sense. And you also say, you know, another part of a balanced lifestyle is the spiritual side to like make time for prayer and yeah that that sort yeah, of yeah well we encu- because we're a christian school we encourage our students we pray with them every day we encourage them mm. if they're really struggling to pray to god and ask him to help them he's only too willing to mm. give them some god help which mm. is um a lot stronger than what we can produce ourselves so yeah, yeah. Uh, we do recommend that to them whether they take it up that's over to them yeah and and have you found like you know with, with your own boys or, or with some some kids at school over the years that that sort of spiritual approach has actually you know calmed nerves and and helped with oh, focus oh definitely definitely we we pray before exams and we ask god to to keep to keep the students calm, to help them remember the things that they've learned. Because it is, mm. exams are stressful because you've got a limited amount of time and you, you want to do the best that you can. Yeah, no, fair enough. Now, tip number four, uh, you say provide them with a quiet place to study. Yeah, that's yes. that's got to be important. Oh, it does, because they don't need any more distractions. They're very good at distracting themselves, and <laughs> their phones and their laptops themselves are distractions. So, But, but, you but know, the laptop's a key learning tool. That's the challenge, isn't it? Like the schools oh, are is. foisting these it on is. kids but and you saying know, you need your laptop. Can appear, people can send them messages on their, on their laptop, and they can be looking at this or looking at that. And so they can, they can, you know, distract themselves so easily. In fact, more easily than... Then and I do remember the time before we had laptops. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't we all? Don't we all? Now, t- tip five: you start talking about time management. Help them create a schedule. Oh my goodness! Yeah, this this is an area where I fall down a bit. I, I, you know, come up with great plans and write down a schedule and then stick with it and then sort of drop it. But but it's important, isn't it? Time management. Oh yes, definitely. I suppose to if you if you plan a schedule and you don't get it right, like. You know, people plan to diet and lose weight and start an exercise program and then the next day they find themselves eating junk food and <laughs> sitting and watching TV. They can always start again the next day. So don't just throw everything out. Start again. Yeah. The next day is a new day. But a schedule is, time management is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the schedule is, is sort of two parts. I mean, firstly, there's sort of a, a weekly schedule. You know, what, what do I want to do every Monday? What do I want to do every Wednesday? But, but also that, you know, if you have a major assessment coming up you sort of need to say well by the middle of May I need to have the research done by the you know middle of June I need to have a first draft written you know what I mean so there's a sort of a series of milestones towards those major assessments that are coming up definitely definitely and and in year 12 there are lots of subjects that have these they're called um, folios or Mm -hmm. I, I have an external essay that they have to to send in to the education department. So, yeah, there's all those sorts of things. So you give them the dates and and to, and also the teacher helps them to work towards that and reminds them and gives them, sort of tries to break the task down into smaller manageable steps yeah, to help. Yeah, no, that's a, that sounds fantastic. Now you say um, tip number six, pick the right time to apply pressure. Well, when, when, when's the wrong time, first of all? 
<laughs> when everything's due or when there's an exam coming up. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the you can you should be able to. I don't know. Hopefully, parents can see when their kids are really stressed, if they're snappy, yeah. if they're lacking sleep because they've been staying up late trying to get things done. And and um, let's face it, not everybody's good at managing their time. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> even so, adults are not good at managing their time. Sure. So when is the right time to apply pressure then? Because it is needed sometimes, isn't it? I mean, like you say, some oh, kids yes. run hot, some kids um, run cold. The cold ones I need think, you to apply pressure. I think that. Parents know their children well enough to know what you know what buttons not to push yeah. and when not to push them. So it's a it's a case of of communicating with them and seeing where they're at and just feeling the vibes. And I'm sure they they have a sense of okay, I can talk about this now without getting mm. my head bitten off. <laughs> yeah. Or having them, you know, throw their books on the floor and walk out or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess when the, perhaps there's been a disappointing assessment result, you know, obviously you need to console, you know, your, your child at that point. But that's probably a point where they may be open to uh, maybe thinking about, well, how have we been going about this? And perhaps how could we do this differently? You know, that might actually yes. be a, a time to apply pressure. Sure. Uh, but calm pressure, not, mm. not, you know, hysterical pressure or anything like that. Just calm talk to them quietly talk to them yeah maybe take them out for a meal and have a talk over a mm. you know a nice meal or something oh that, that sounds great because but i guess what you really want to avoid is is escalating the stress like when they're feeling stressed is probably the wrong time for you to start act stressed and then you know the thing just sort of you know it just builds up and stacks on top of one another that's sure. yeah yeah and, and stress does tend to feed stress so parents are I was pretty aware of when my kids were stressed and it's really hard to hold back and to just let them get over that period, support them, mm, mm. Um, stay calm yourself because if you stay calm, it helps them to stay calm. Yeah, yeah, which leads really well into your tip number seven. You say be tolerant and supportive. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, it's, it's, to them, it's one of the most important years of their life, even mm. though because everybody says that and mm-hmm. and even though it's not the be all and end all it's still a big milestone because it's the end of their their primary and high school schooling mm. uh, it's the last year of, of 12 years of being at school and then it's a new they go off in a new direction then mm-hmm. they're young adults they've often got their licenses they they might have part-time work so you know it's time for them then they make the choice as to what career path they want to pursue and then that can be difficult in itself mm-hmm. yeah one one of your students said you, you mentioned that you you asked them about their feedback about what parents could do to help and one of them said said, I, I need my parents to understand I might be a little bit moody or irritable at sometimes and to, to give me a little bit of that, of that tolerance. I mean, I guess there's a limit to that though, isn't there? I mean, it's, oh, this, sure. <laughs> this isn't a free pass to bad behavior. No, no, but, no, no, no. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and often, you know, parents are paying school fees, so they want to see, um, they want to see dividends for their money. Yes. So <laughs> no, no pressure. That. Heck. <laughs> so, you know, there, there, there is a, a balance here yeah. that, that needs to be you know, applied. Yeah, sure, sure. We, I mean, you, you say number eight, you know, encourage them to stay focused and to do their best. What What does their best mean? Because, I mean, that might mean different things for different kids. Oh, for sure. Well, 
their best means, I suppose, doing their personal best. You know how you talk mm. about personal best in sporting achievements and it's not about yeah. comparing yourself with other people. Mm-hmm. It's about pushing yourself that little bit more to do a little bit better than what you've done in the past because we all know there's areas that we can improve, there's areas that we have that are strengths, there's areas that are weaknesses. It's those mm-hmm. weaker areas that, that we could look at to see if we can improve. And if we're not sure how, we can ask someone. So ask a teacher at school whom mm. you trust whom they um, they know that they'll get a um, a definitive answer from and and see if they you know they can push themselves a bit a little bit more. That's yeah. that's probably for ones that are just right or the colder mm, in the, mm. the Goldilocks story. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, well, because like, usually like, the hot ones they're already pushing themselves. Yeah. So I mean, what what sort of pressure do they do they need actual pressure to slow down a bit? To like, oh, like, like you say, that the balanced lifestyle. Look, you need to put the books down and go out and, as you say, you know, take the dog for yes, a walk or something. Definitely, yeah. definitely, they need that. And and even, even going on a holiday somewhere to get get away from you know the things that they see every day, mm. the routine, and just have a break. That can often be refreshing and motivating in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, but in terms of um, doing doing your best, back to that. If I, I just want to chuck a couple of scenarios at you. If you have a child who is, for example, uh, not hugely academic, um, they struggle with, with academia, what, what is their best when it comes to year 12? Like, how, how can they take satisfaction out of it in, in the full knowledge that the marks that they get at the end are not going to be something to crow about? Well, maybe maybe there are students that need some extra help, say, from a tutor. Mm-hmm. Pri- private tutoring can be very helpful for students. There are places where they can go in each state, people who offer tutoring in that subject. I had tutoring in maths in, mm. in high school right through because that wasn't my, my strength. Mm-hmm. And I managed to pass my year 12 exam. I don't care if I pass it by one mark. Yep. I managed to pass it and I felt that I'd done my best because every other exam I failed. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, that could help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, obviously, passing is a you know a psychological you know sort of achievement there, isn't it? But but I guess sure. just the knowledge, and this can come from parents too. You tried so hard this year. You did this. You did that. You did that. We're really proud of you. Like, is is That's an important right. important thing to say, regardless of the mark, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and encouraging them, and and um and yeah, telling them that you're proud of them for what they have achieved, and mm. not expecting them to achieve something that's totally unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. But on on the other hand, Denise, what about those kids who are saying, you know what, I've done well in school, I've consistently, you know, topped my class, I'm heading for you know vet science or or something like that, you know, which you know has a kind of a ninety eight percent sort of yes. you know mark what's what's doing your best in in that situation with, with a kid who's you know perhaps even gifted well i suppose they're going to do their best regardless because they they tend to be driven mm. driven kids those kids you've really got to um try and create the balance they that they tend to be the ones that don't don't have a balance but they need a balance because they can still hit the ceiling and yeah. and burn out and mm. So that, so they need to have a breaks and yes they'll they'll push themselves regardless. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Now your tip number nine, man. I when I read it, I thought this should have been tip number one, Denise. You, you said let them know that you care. Excel, pass or fail. Your child needs to know that you love them unconditionally. Wow, I I really love that. So important. 
Well, I don't think you should pin your hopes on them doing what you think they should be, what what mark you think they should get. I think you should be loving them regardless. This mark does not define who they are as a person, just Mm -hmm. the fact of doing well in year 12. They're still your child. They're still someone that deserves love. They've, uh, to all intents and purposes, I'm sure they've tried their best. To, to the best of their ability, they want you to be proud of them, so find something that parents can be proud of them for and and tell them that you love them regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you give a really good practical tip to finish off with number 10. You say talk to other parents, you know, whose kids are doing year 12 as well. It's not like a support oh, group, sh- isn't it? <laughs> Oh, for sure. So often parents feel a bit alone. I mean, some might um, talk to other parents if they know parents at the school that their their students go to or their children go to. But it's always good to, to see what's happening um, to other students because it's probably very similar. And parents are experiencing the same sorts of things at home. Kids feeling stressed, kids being moody, kids not wanting to work. Um, kids wanting to have a break. They're not wanting their parents to, to say anything to them. They want their parents to know that they are, they've got it under control, but in some ways they haven't and in some ways they have. <laughs> yeah. Well, who, who does have it completely in control? Let's, let's face it. No one really. <laughs> well, look, if, if you'd like to read uh, Denise Nelson's article, it is online at the Signs of the Times website, signsofthetimes.org.au. It's entitled Treacherous Waters. Those 10 tips are, are in there for you to check out for yourself. But uh, thank you so much, uh, Denise, for being uh, a part of the show today. My pleasure, Ken. It's been lovely talking to you. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.